All right, let's open up our Bibles to Psalm uh, 84. Psalm 84. I'm sorry, I said Psalm 84. Psalm 98. Psalm 98. But I don't want us to read Psalm 98 yet. Don't, so don't look at it. Don't look at it. I want us to do a little thought before we, or try to engage in a little thought before we uh, study this psalm. Psalm 98. Okay, let's start with a few questions, a few thought-provoking questions. And on these questions, there really is no right or wrong answer, so you won't be corrected. So I want everybody to feel free to, uh, to participate and weigh in, okay? So here's the first question. In general, not with God, but from person to person, in general, how do we decide appropriate ways to honor people, okay? I want to honor somebody. How do I decide an appropriate way to honor them? What, what thought process do I go through to do something for them that would honor them? Buy him a cake? Kirby, what happens if he's lactose intolerant or diabetic? He, would he be honored by a cake if he were type 2 diabetes? <laughs> okay, you buy him a cake, provided that they're none of those things, okay, and that they like cake. What else? How, how do we honor people? Give them your attention, that's good. Yes, Elaine. Okay, I, I like where you're going with that. I, I think I see what you're saying. And so, um, you mind elaborating just a little bit? I think I, I don't want to put words in your mouth. So if you were honoring somebody for 75 years of marriage, you would give them a, a nice date, a, a nice dinner, or 50 years of marriage, you would give them a nice dinner out as a couple. <laughs> okay. Yeah. It would be appropriate to the person you're honoring. Okay. Okay. I'm with you. <laughs> what else? I thought you meant something else, so I was glad I clarified. Okay. What else? If, if you wanted to honor somebody, what process would you go through to honor them? Yes, David. Okay, that's, you would learn from watching others who did it well, especially your parents. That's good. That's good. Follow their lead. What else? Yes, Don. Yes, that's good. That's good. You would extol their virtues. That's a good. That's a good thing to do when you're trying to honor somebody. What else? These are all good. Yes, Hannah. Okay. Yeah, you direct, you, you make it a public, it's, a, it's a, often a public way of honoring somebody. So, Fide, did I see your hand? Yes, you could think about what they would appreciate. And so, that's what I was sort of getting at with Kirby's, you know, like if, I, I, I love cake, so if you made me a cake, Kirby, I, I'm good. Um, but, uh, but 
you know, if somebody, uh, like my dad, when he retired from work, uh, he's a big fan of the Georgia Bulldogs, and they got him uh, a helmet autographed, a Georgia Bulldog helmet autographed by the most famous Georgia Bulldog of all time, Herschel Walker. He was over the moon with this. It was something he would really like. You bought me a helmet of Herschel Walker, there would probably be an autographed helmet of Herschel Walker on eBay pretty soon, okay? So, yeah. Others? Yes, Betty. I write a letter? Yes. Yes, absolutely. I think what we're all sort of getting at, right, is that when we're going to honor somebody, it, it's a two-way street, okay? There is what they would want and prefer, their virtues. There's a lot about them that enters the equation in how we honor somebody. But then there's something with us, too, that speaks to how we want to honor somebody, right? Um, we want to honor somebody in ways that we find honoring. Does that make sense? So there's sort of this, this two-way street, right? Okay, so when it comes to our relationship with God, how does he tell us to honor him? Because how in the world would we ever honor God? I was thinking about it this week as we were doing our Bible reading. You know, we had the, the Philistines took control of the Ark of God, and they were plagued with mice and with tumors. And so what did they do? They were like, oh, let's honor this God with mice, gold mice and gold tumors. <laughs> because they thought that's what he wanted. Is that what God wanted? No. But they didn't know better. They didn't have God's word to tell them what God would want. So, what does God tell us? How does God tell us we should honor him? Yes, we obey him. Yes. That's the previous psalm of this, Psalm 97. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. What else? We, that's right, we praise his virtues. What else? Everybody look at Psalm 98.1. Okay? Oh, sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm have worked salvation for him. The Lord has made known his salvation. He has revealed his righteousness in the sight of nations. He has remembered his steadfast love and faithfulness to the house of Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Break forth into joyous singing and sing praises. Sing praises to the Lord with lyre, with the lyre and the sound of melody, with trumpets and the sound of the horn, and make a joyful noise before the King, our Lord. 
Let the sea roar and all that fills it, the world and those who dwell in it. Let the rivers clap their hands. Let the hills sing for joy together before the Lord. For he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world with righteousness and the peoples with equity. Did anybody have a, a counter on that to, to number the times we're told to sing? Anybody? Anybody want to tally those up real quick? Anybody see? How many? Something like that, yeah. How about, I think, were you counting both sing and make a joyful noise? Okay. I think there's four apiece, right? Make a joyful noise and four times and sing four times. So, but make a joyful noise is a synonym. I'll discuss that, what that word means in a minute. So, let me give an example from my marriage. I would ask my wife, I would ask her, I would say, what? What can I do that will, that you would find nice and romantic? What would, what can I do for you that would honor you, that you would love? And she would say, I want you to write me notes. And you know what I would do? I would buy her chocolates. <laughs> and then I would ask her a few short time later, what, what would you find to be honoring romantic? What would you love? And she would say, I want you to write me notes. And I would buy a romantic dinner. <laughs> and about, see, we've been married 18 years now. About 15 years into marriage, I had this thought. Maybe... I should write my wife notes. <laughs> now, how many of you ladies will give back the chocolates when they come to you, even though you ask for notes? And you're not going to throw them on the ground and stomp on them and say, I didn't ask for these. How many of you would turn down a, a, a nice dinner when what you asked for was a note? How many of you would turn, none, none of you would turn that down, right? But in the back of your mind, I'm, as I'm sure was with my wife, who blessedly and kindly never pointed this out to me, what she was saying was, here's a way to honor me. And it took me a long time to kind of get that into my head. Oh, this is sort of what God is doing here. He's saying, you want to honor me? Sing. And we say, you know what, God? I'll do this. And God says, well, thank you, but I also want you to sing. Say, oh, great. God, I will do this. And God says, wonderful. I asked for that too, but I really want you to sing. Now, a few other thoughts on this. As we, I'm going to read Psalm 98 again, and I want you to tell me the qualities of singing that God is asking for. Okay, Let's read it again, and you tell me, you come up with synonyms for the quality of singing. Okay, Oh, sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm have worked salvation for him. 
The Lord has made known his salvation. He has revealed his righteousness in the sight of the nations. He has remembered his steadfast love and faithfulness to the house of Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Break forth into joyous song and sing praises. Sing praises to the Lord with the lyre, with the lyre and the sound of melody, with trumpets and the sound of the horn. Make a joyful noise before the King, the Lord. Let the sea roar and all that fills it, the world and those who dwell in it. Let the rivers clap their hands, let the hills sing for joy together. Before the Lord, he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world with righteousness and the peoples with equity. What are the qualities of singing that God says honor me? What are they? Yes, Don. No, that's right. That's right. By, I, I, should have, I should have not worded it that way. I think my wording was confusing. I'm not talking about a standard of quality. I'm talking more like adjectives. What are the adjectives God puts on singing? So he says sing. Sing how? Joyfully. There we go. Yeah, I don't mean up to a certain standard of musical ability. Yeah, that's not what I meant. Sorry. Oh, oh, no, well, we'll get there. <laughs> okay, joyfully. That's it. That, that one's repeated a bunch of times, right? Joyfully. Okay. What else? Is it loud. Yes. In fact, how does it say it here? Shout. Shouts can't be done quietly. I have a house of five children. I know this for a fact. <laughs> okay, what else? New song. Yes. A new song. Fresh. Something. And, and the, the word actually does mean new. It means like new to you, you know? In fact, it's used often of a new bride. Okay? This word is used of a new bride. You think of, of uh, a couple that's just been married. They're still in that honeymoon phase of marriage and they have a good marriage. Uh, and they're six weeks into a good marriage and, and the husband is just so taken up in love with his wife. And that's the quality God wants for as we sing songs. What else? Ooh, loud, joyful, Betty, yes. Jubilant, yes, that's right. There's, a, there's, there's some more. We think about it a little harder. Well, this one, this one is... We'll have to go a layer down in our thoughts. So what else? Universal. That's a good one. That's one I was after. The seas, the, the rivers, the hills, the, all the nations, everybody. This is a universal cry. The singing. So is our culture exempt because our culture doesn't sing a lot? Does that exempt us? Or what about a culture that never does it? Does that exempt them? I don't know of a culture that doesn't sing, but be that as it may, even if it existed, it would not exempt. What else? There's a big one I'm looking for. Yes, that you have hit on a, an important part of that word. It is, there should be, 
what's the word I'm looking for? Yes, spontaneous is the right word. Um, this is more like, spontaneous is part of it, but it, it's more like a rising, like a wave breaking, okay? There's this, there, you see the swell building, 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 and rising, 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 and then crash. That's, that's the idea. It, it builds to a climax, crashes over. That's how our song should come, an overflow of a heart of praise. Yes, a win. Yes, a crescendo. Yes. That's the, that's the musical word. That's why we have musical experts in here of whom I am not. I don't, I don't read music. I, I know when the notes go up on the scale, you sing higher, and when they go lower on the scale, you sing lower. And I think one of them is your right hand and one of them is your left hand. I don't know. If you're playing the piano, that's about all I know. Okay. How about this? Four in verse one. Sing to the Lord a new song. Four. Go down to verse three. He has remembered. His steadfast love. What does that mean? Yes. It's, it's, there's a knowing. There's a, a knowing nature. We, we understand certain truths about God. We've seen certain truths about God. And because of that truth that we now know about God, that results in this crescendo of praise. Okay? Uh, instrumental is another one. Did anybody say instrumental? Did, did we see all the words for instruments in here? Lyre. Uh, two different words for horns. Uh, trumpet and horn. Um, these are distinguished by the straightness of the horn. <laughs> um, some horns in the ancient world were long and straight. They weren't brass. Uh, they were usually made of animal horns. And they cut one end off and blow in it. And some were twisted. And they made different sounds. One was more of a blast. And the other was more of a sort of a mellow sound. They also had flutes and uh, like woodwind instruments. Um, they're not mentioned in this passage, but they're mentioned in lots of different ones in the songs. There are um, percussion instruments, um, uh, cymbals, drums, instruments like that that are mentioned in the Psalter as well. Okay. okay. So, last question, and then we're going to give you, I'm going to give you some specific verses here. If this, if God is saying to us, okay, we're, we're, we come to God and we're like, God, we want to honor you. We want to worship you. We want to honor you. And God says, okay, wonderful. Because that, that's what we want to do. That's why you came here, right? To worship God. God, how do we do that? I, I want you to sing loudly, joyfully, knowingly. I want you to sing with instruments. I want you to sing together. All of these verbs are plural. There's a congregation of sound. What are ways that we can turn the volume up in here? They can be 
legitimate ways to do it. Or they could be, we won't call them illegitimate, but just other ways to turn the volume up. How can we turn the volume up on our worship in here? What are ways we can do that? There, there's options available to us. Seriously. Yes, that's a good one. We can have more instruments. I was teasing my kids the other day. They were about to have a recital. And, and the recital was going a little longer. It was going to be a recital over Zoom. And I said, well, while we wait, Daddy is going to do his recital on playing his thigh. And I did a song on my thigh. And the kids thought that was the funniest thing ever. Okay. I don't recommend we do that sort of music here, but we can have more instruments. It, there was some nervous tension in the room that that helped to relieve. Okay, what else? What, what are some other ways that we can raise the volume? What's that? Anna's had two now. Anna, what's this one? Everyone sing. And everyone sing how, Anna? Loudly. We, we raise our voices. What, what are some other ways? Yeah. They've been prevented by the creation of God to sing. But to your point, I bet there are, I bet you've noticed that the person signing or when they sign, there's normal signing and there's excited signing. So we can communicate even with our posture and our body language the volume that's in our heart. <laughs> that is great. That is music to God's ears, let me tell you. Yeah. Yes, ma'am. Very quickly, like it, and this is very basic. If I were to put my hands in, like, let's say I, I'm sitting up here for worship one day, do you see me? And my hands are in my pockets, and my shoulders are hunched a little forward, 
and my head is down, and I'm staring at the floor and barely moving my lips. Whether you can hear me or not, is my body language communicating loud, joyful, shouting type of worship? No, no. It can't, can it? So we need to think about that. What are ways in what are the ways in which even our bodies communicate effusive praise to the Lord? How encouraging would it be for Nathan when he announces the next song to see a bunch of heads nod? I like that. Even little things like that are very encouraging to those worshiping around you, and also the Lord is watching to um, Mrs. Pinner's point. Now, let's talk about a few other ways we can raise the volume. These are available, options that are available to us. Do you realize that as Americans, very easily, we can have Daniel back there take his index finger and thumb and crank Nathan's volume would that raise the volume of our worship? It would raise the volume of Nathan's worship. But we could have noisier, louder worship. But is that the goal? Not necessarily. We want collectively loud worship, correct? Here's what else we could do. We could hire musicians to come and play for us. It doesn't matter to us if they're believers. And we could have them come up and play on the stage for us. Wouldn't it be professionally better, qualitatively better? Is that what we want to do? Th those are options available to us, right? Or we could do like they do in some churches. And to me, this is just long and inauthentic. They pipe in congregational singing over the loudspeakers to give the impression that the people are singing louder than they are. That's an option available to us, isn't it? Elaine's shaking her head no. That is not available to us. <laughs> well, it is available to us, but it's not, it's not an option here, we'll say. Okay. Now, clearly what God is after is worship. We say, let's go back to our first thought. We say, God, we want to honor you. He says, okay. Well, here's what I want you to do. I want you to sing and sing loud. And I want you to make music with instruments. And I want that music to come from a heart that's refreshed by my relationship with you. Now let's very quickly get into some of the passage, the technicalities of these verses so that we can just fill out the ideas very quickly. New song, this is a fresh song. Like we mentioned earlier, like a new bride. Do you see right here, it says, Sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done a marvelous thing. His right arm, his right hand and his holy arm have worked salvation. Salvation. 
that word salvation is repeated again in verse 2. And it's repeated again in verse 3. If there is a subject of our singing, if there's a topic of our singing that is to occupy our words, it's primarily to be about the salvation that God has given to us. This is the word Yeshua, Joshua. This was the name of name given to Jesus, salvation. It's his great salvation that he is, that we are to be spending the majority of our time praising. It says that we're to sing about his marvels. He's done marvelous things. This word for marvel, this is the word used for Sarah when she conceived at an old age. This is the word for uh, when Moses said that uh, I would... Uh, when Moses said that God's going to do marvels, wonders, we call them the plagues of Egypt. When we start combining the idea of salvation with marvels, we audibly, verbally raise our voices to the miracle of salvation. We were dead and now we're alive. He brought life to death. Like we sang in Sunday school, he sought us when we were sinners. It was Christ who took our place. These are our marvels. Song has unique ability to take profound truths and put them together in such a way to where it would take a theologian five chapters to tease out what a poet can do in a sentence. These are the sorts of profundities that God wants us to spend our time singing about. And furthermore, he says that he has made known this salvation. This is verse 2. He has revealed his righteousness in the sight of the nations. This word made known is a strong word. It means to declare or to announce, to show forth or to signal. God is not passive in the presentation of his salvation. This is the same word that says the heavens declare the glory of God. Day unto day, day shouts knowledge. And so, again, as we sing, we sing over the marvelous truth of how God has made known, he's revealed, he's proclaimed to us these mysteries of salvation. And mysteries of salvation is an important word because he says that he's in verse 2. He's revealed them. And this is the idea of unveiling something that once was covered. Not a lot of us in here were born and raised in Christian homes. And even if we were, God's salvation demands that he uncover it and open our hearts and make us wise to it and reveal it to us. And our songs, our singing, our loud singing needs to be an articulation of our amazement that he would reveal to little us his marvelous wonders of salvation. Can we sing about other things? Sure. Nobody's saying you can't sing about other things. But when it comes to worship singing, salvation 
marveling over that needs to be the meat and potatoes diet of that sort of scene. Okay? Now, again, this singing is also knowledgeable. God remembers. Verse 3, he actively calls to mind. He actively rehearses the promises and his sovereign purposes for us. God is the one who is active in bringing us our salvation. It says in verse 3 that he has made known that all the, that he has revealed his righteousness in the sight of nations. God is consistently uncovering himself to us, to people the world over. God is unveiling himself. Now, last thoughts, and then we'll prepare ourselves for worship. Again, I want us to notice uh, the rising volume of the worship that God desires. Okay, Let's look at verse 4. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Uh, you might want to underline, make a joyful noise, because that's actually one Hebrew word. Now, do you know how it's used in other contexts in the Hebrew Bible? It means this. Raise a war cry. Raise a war cry. Now, everybody, I don't mean to direct or embarrass attention, but let's all have a look at Steve Benjamin over here. Steve's a big dude, okay? If Steve, if, I, if, if for some reason I would... I would not mess with Steve, but if I had to fight Steve, okay, and he looked across the ring at me and gave me a war cry, I'm running out of the ring, okay? <laughs> a, a war cry, when you're about to go into hand-to-hand -hand combat, which is what war was in these days, is deep, passionate. Full-bodied. I, I, I don't know how else to describe what this would look like. Let your imagination be your guide. Does that describe, could that describe most American worship singing? Could that describe most of the singing we've engaged in in our own church experience? You know, um, What God is, oh, let's keep going very quickly. He says, Steve had mentioned this before, break forth into joyous song and sing praises. This word, uh, break forth, has to do with um, sort of crescendo or spontaneous shouts that mark profound moments of joy. So for example, if you ever read War history, for example. There will be a battle, and one side charges the other, for example. And the men charging the position reckon before they charge that they're, they're dead men, that, that they are not going to survive this. And they charge, and somehow... They make it through. 
and they accomplish their objective. I can't tell you, I, I read a lot of war history, I can't tell you how many times after that the men break out in spontaneous singing. There's this release of emotion that they've been delivered from death. And, and they never plan it. It just comes out of them. And this is the sort of posture that should describe the way we sing to God. So, I probably should have led with this illustration. But I'll return to the one I you remember what my wife told me for many years? What would honor her and be nice to her and show her that I love her? Notes. And it took me a while to get it through my head. So now I write notes. Maybe she doesn't want notes anymore. Maybe she wants something else in 15 years from now. I'll say, you know what she was actually asking for. But God is asking, God is very clearly asking for a certain form of worship is it? So let's let that characterize our worship in the coming hour. Fair enough? All right, let's pray. Father, I pray that you would empower us to honor you and magnify you in this way. I pray that this presentation would have been gracious. Um, I don't want anybody to feel like they've been doing it wrong all along. Um, what I want is for us to be amazed that you would allow us to worship such a great king. So overwhelm us with your kindness and mercy. And as we come to you, enliven, quicken our faulting lips so that we can with energy and strength sing into you. For we pray these things in Jesus' name.